Psalm 30, Psalm 30, I speak with one of the men there in Australia, and they said, uh, <clears throat> Angus has been sick for some while, he wasn't able to preach, and he said, they got together and just read the scriptures, and he said, you know, he goes, that didn't hurt us, and I thanked Angus for reading, I said, just, just have somebody else read, uh, they'll put inflection where the Lord is, it's got to be a passage that you've experienced, and the Lord's put on your heart and been good to you, and for them to read, it's, it's like I've never heard that before. Clay read to me, and I said, "When? how long has it said that? <laughs> it said that a long time, ain't it? It didn't hurt us. Psalm 30. <clears throat> I want to look at these first six verses this morning. We'll begin in verse 1. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor Life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Psalms are the songs, aren't they? They were sang, and we love reading them, and we love singing them. We sang a few of them where they've been translated into English. But we love that. We love to read them, and we love to sing them because the Lord's people, they apply to us. I hope it's isn't too simple, but I like songs that I know about. Not once have I ever sang and enjoyed a song about figure skating. I just, I don't know if there is one, but there is one. I just think, I don't have any experience in that. But I, I know a lot of songs about love. I've loved. I know songs about loss. I've lost. Happy summer days. Uh, waves and beaches and, and cold winter days and snow, Christmas time. I know about those things. I've experienced it. I've experienced those things. And David writes what all children of God experience, ups and downs, times of sorrow, times of joy, times of faith, boldness, strength, steadfastness, and times of shameful unbelief. Isn't it? Believers experience those things. Worldly people, the fools, those unregenerate, those that attempt to steal God's glory for themselves, they go through similar things. They have some joys and they have some sadnesses. They have some good times, bad times. Singing, mourning, but not soul trouble. Having a bunch of trials in this world ain't going to do you a lick of good if the Lord doesn't send you soul trouble. Soul trouble. Grief, sorrow, crying out because of sin. <laughs> Anybody cry out for just in a bad spot, but to cry out and, and have sorrows because of sin. If you have that, those sorrows, those crying out, boy, then you can have great joy. Then you can have true rejoicing, true crying out in praise because of forgiveness of sin. Because of forgiveness of sin. 
Well, then you've got a reason to sing. <laughs> you got to know that sin first, isn't it? It says in verse 1 or in Psalm 30, I will extol. That means honor, lift up, praise. I will extol thee, O Lord. I will honor you, O Lord. Four, because thou hast lifted me up. I'm going to sing your praises because you're worthy to be praised. There's something I have to sing your praises about. You've done something for me. You've lifted me up. Years ago, a man named Charles Gabriel wrote this. His brow was pierced with many a thorn. His hands by cruel nails were torn. When from my guilt and grief, forlorn in love he lifted me. While he bore my guilt, while he bore my grief, his love lifted me. From sinking sands, he lifted me with a tender hand. He lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light. Oh, praise his name. Extol him. Praise his name. He lifted me. He lifted me. He says, I will extol, honor, lift up thee, O Lord, because thou hast lifted me up. I'm going to love you because you first loved me. Nothing about me and nothing about my bootstraps and lifted up has anything to do with this is the Lord's work, isn't it? He lifted me. I'm going to sing your praises because you lifted me. It says at the end of verse 1, And hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. Lord, you've saved me, and you've not had my foes rejoice over me, have pleasure over me. Who are our foes? Who's the believer's foes? Well, it's plural, isn't it? It doesn't say my foe. It says foes. There's more than one. I'll give you a few of them. The first one's the accuser of the brethren. Satan. There are people that think that Satan's not real. Well, buddy, our Lord speaks of him often, doesn't he? And he said, Peter, he, this one, he chose to sift you like wheat. He, he seeks to devour you. He said, but I pray that your faith don't fail. <laughs> How tender. He lifted Peter, didn't he? That great accuser of the brethren. The Lord came to crush his head. He's the strong man. And the Lord came to bind that strong man and spoil his goods. Who's that strong man's goods? Us. You used to be the property of the prince of darkness until the Lord came and freed you. <laughs> he came and saved you. Came and crushed his head. That's our first foe. What's our other foe? Sin's our foe. This old man, this, this brethren, if I was alone on a deserted island, I have all kinds of accusers. Ain't no way in the world I could be a child of God. Think, look what you just thought. Look what you just did. Look what you just said. Sin's my foe, isn't it? There's spiritual warfare going on. And there was a long time sin had dominion over me. That old man's older than the new man. He's been around longer. But the Lord's grace set us free. He set us free. He came to crush the serpent's head, and his grace set us free. That's what Paul told us in Romans 6. He said, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Grace has set us free. The Lord's done that. What about this world? We still live in this world. The Lord's came to us. Our biggest foe's been conquered. Our sin's been conquered. Sin, death, and hell has been conquered, but we still live in this world. And there's a whole lot that goes on that takes our mind from this world. Our brother just prayed that. Lord, take, leave that, let us leave that world apart and, and have a word from you. 
and look to you. And, and so many things, and the news, and the, the this, and the that, and, oh, uh, and real quick, we just get so scared, what about this, ah! like little heads with our chickens cut off running around, don't we? What about this world? It's skillful at taking our attention. It's skillful at turning our concerns from the Redeemer that saved us. What does our Lord say? Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And he came to crush the serpent's head. He's freed us in his grace from from sin, doesn't have dominion over it. He's overcome the world. What did that grace and love do? It blotted out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us. The law was against us. That's what we broke. It was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way. How did he do that? Did he just sweep it underneath the rug? Like We'll play pretend like it didn't happen. As if. That's what old John was writing in First John. It was the Gnostics. Ain't nothing changed in our day. Well, it was as if because they knew better because they couldn't understand it because God hadn't revealed himself to them. Paul said that plainly. He said he took the ordinances out of the way, nailing it to his cross. <laughs> he did something we can't do, and, and, and we have an idea of what it is. We can't enter into the depths of that. He nailed it to his cross, and he spoiled principalities and powers. That's when he crushed the serpent's head. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. This world and the prince of this world and the, the law had sinned. Everything was accomplished in that hour. He said, for this hour I've come. That's what he did. That was our foes, wasn't it? It says in verse 2, Oh, Lord, my God, I cried unto thee. That's who we cried to. Who? The one that does everything. The one that's able to save. Oh Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. That's most I can do is cry. That's what I do most of the time. We're told to pray without ceasing, and I struggle. I struggle with it. I cry out because I don't think I cry out enough. You ever done that? You ever prayed, Lord help me because I don't pray enough? <laughs> I do. We don't know what we ought to ask, do we? I, I was thankful Marvin telling that about Don, and he, me and him's talked about that before. I struggle with that. People say, oh, it's easy. Pray like this. Don't listen to people. You better watch out. And you get your pre-programmed responses, and we will now come to the Lord's throne of grace, and blah, 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 blah. That's all it is. Yakety yak. Well, teach me to pray. That's what the disciples asked, wasn't it? If the 12 apostles showed up, you, would you listen to them? What they ask? Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I struggle with that. I have a hard time with it. I cry often because often I'm in trouble. I cry, Lord, save. Lord, save. Have mercy because I'm in need of mercy. I know what I am. And then I'm healed. I see him. <laughs> and that happens over. And then it happens over. And then it happens over. And it keeps happening. Until we're out of this present evil world, ain't it? A man or woman will not cry. They won't scream for healing. That's desperation. He doesn't say you will mention or murmur some prayers. You'll mumble some prayers. You'll say some prayers. He said you'll cry. You'll scream out for healing. You won't do that until you know you're sick. You won't cry out to God to heal you unless you know you need to be healed. That's what has to come first. We have to know what we are, the sin that we are. Our Lord said, I've come that they might have life more abundant. 
He gives life. I'm dead in trespasses and sin. I've offended that law. And he says, I've come to give life, and I'm going to do it. Now I'm healed. <laughs> he was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He's done it all. The Father purposed it, and the Son purchased it, and it's plumb done. And that turns all my crying into healing, doesn't it? And then all my mourning goes to singing. Oh, how sad I was. Well, that frown got turned upside down because <laughs> I see him. Verse 3 says, O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down into the pit. Oh, that's what, like gravity and a rock, just as fast as it'll take me right to the bottom of the pit. That was where I was heading. That was my way. That was my sin, all the bad stuff I did. And that's sure where my iniquities was taking me, all the good things I think I did. Well, I was in religion for a long time. Yeah, it's hogwash. It's down there in the bottom of that pit muddled up with all the other stuff and the waste and debris. Ain't no bathrooms down there in the pits. It's horrible. Disease-ridden, isn't it? Lord kept me from that. We read there in Ephesians 2, And you hath he quickened. You're who he's made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what we are. We lifted up out of that pit. We're brought out of that pit. And he tells us about it. It's not just good news that's hit underneath a rock. He comes and tells us about that. He sends somebody to tell us. That's good. That's, I'm thankful. Like that woman at the well, uh, she said, you come here, man. <laughs> told me everything. Come see a man. And they came. The Lord told them disciples, he said, y'all ready for the harvest? Here it comes. <laughs> you guys are brothers and sisters. Go comfort them. And they showed up, and the Lord preached to them. And they went to that woman, and they said, we showed up here today. We came to church this morning. We came to the church house because you asked us, and we like you. That was fine. But now we heard him. We came here because of you. That was the means. But we're not going to worship you. We're worshiping him. I'm thankful for the man that preached the gospel to me. And I ain't going to let nobody talk bad about him. And, and I love him because that's the means the Lord used. But I don't worship him. I'm thankful for the one that he preached, isn't it? This ain't nothing new. Look, turn back one book to Job 33. Turn to your left there, Job 33. Here's the oldest book I've mentioned before. And I wonder if Job's any different than you or me or David. Did he need a different message or a different means than anybody else? It doesn't change, does it? Look here at Job 33, verse 22. Elihu's speaking to him. That young fellow, youngest of the bunch, he said, I can't, he said, I've listened to y'all talk for seven days now. And he said, I'm like a new wine in a sealed up flask. I'm about to bust. <laughs> and he busted. <laughs> Told him everything he had to say. Job 33, verse 22. Yea, his soul draweth near unto the grave, and his life to the destroyers. All people born of Adam were in that pit. That's where we're heading down, on our way down in that pit. Verse 23. If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand, to show unto man his uprightness. What if there was somebody was going down in that pit and there was, a, there was a man there to tell him about this? There was a messenger there. And now what, the Ethiopian eunuch said, that, you know what you're reading? Well, how can I unless somebody tells me? Elihu said, what if, what if there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand? It's a rare thing. It ain't common. It ain't on every street corner. To show unto man his uprightness. Then he is gracious unto him. 
when the Lord speaks through one of his messengers, and that could be a donkey or an earthen vessel, it don't make a difference. He can speak to anything he wanted. But when he speaks, then he's gracious to the tomb. And he saith, and saith, deliver him from going down to the pit. I found a rest. I was going down to the pit. And Lord said, somebody said, you ain't going down the pit because there's a ransom. Because <laughs> of Christ. Because of my son, I'm going to save you. His flesh shall be fresher than a child's, and he shall return to the days of his youth. Boy, it's brand new. That's a new being, new creation, isn't it? Lord said, I put a new creation in you. And he shall pray unto God. That's what that new creation does. Lord went to Ananias and said, go down there to Paul, to Saul, and uh, go comfort him. And he said, I, I've heard about this fellow. <laughs> I mean, I'll go. <laughs> but, whew. And he said, he prayeth. He prayeth. Not he says prayers. Not he wants a new Mercedes Benz. He prays. That's heartfelt prayer. He said, he shall pray unto God, and he will be favorable unto him. God will be favorable to him. What's God's favor? His grace, his mercy. That's where life comes from. And he shall see his face with joy, for he will render unto man his righteousness. His righteousness. Back in our text, our David's telling us, and he's telling himself, and he needs reminded a whole bunch, and we need reminded a whole bunch when he'd be told these things. It says in verse 4, saying, you that all this took place, you that, the, that were dead in trespasses and sin, and the Lord sent a preacher of the gospel to you, and he preached the truth, not a lie. That's the only way God's going to save his people is through the preaching of the truth. And you were told the truth, and you believed because the Lord spoke life into you. He was favorable to you. Now what? You go around wearing hair shirts? That, no, sing. <laughs> be happy. There's something to be happy about. There's good news. Not just news, not bad news, good news. It says, verse 4, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. We ought to sing, shouldn't we? We ought to If you know God, and he saved you, you know his son and what he did for you, you ought to be happy. I ought to be happy. David ought to be happy. Every one of us ought to be happy. Out of a debt of gratitude, out of a debt of love, we should be happy. And not sad and moping around and mumbling about everything underneath the sun. We know who sent whatever it is we have. We know who sent it, whose hand it is, whose glory it's for, and it's for our good. He said so. We believe his word, don't we? Got that <clears throat> article there in the bulletin. Old Brother Don, he's just telling, telling us what he heard in a message. He wrote it down. He's just telling what he was told, wasn't he? We have so many fears, don't we? So many fears. And our Lord so often says, fear not. And we have so many doubts concerning God's salvation, his mercy. Oh, am I his or am I no? And he says, him that cometh to me, I'll know why it's cast out. And we grumble and we complain and we murmur. Oh, well, this is bad and that's bad and this is bad and traffic's rough. And my, I do too, my hip hurts and my back's out. <laughs> I sat too long the last two weeks. I was cramped up and I'm tall and Nobody knows I'm tall, just me. Everybody knows I'm tall, don't they? And I moan and murmur, don't I? And the Lord said, you're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer. It's going to happen. Hard times are coming, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I get attached to this world. I get attached to stuff, don't I? And this ain't my home. He said, there, we look to a city whose builder and maker is God. 
He said, I got to prepare a place for you. Why do I care about that place up on Monster Valley Road? <laughs> I mean, it's in my hand. I ain't going to let it get overgrown and nasty, but that ain't my home. He went to prepare me a place. And I have so much care and anxiety for providing of material beings. And he said, your father in heaven knows these things. Your father knows these things, don't you? I want to ask a question. And I hope I ask myself this question often, every day, throughout the day. I want to ask this question to me, and you can listen in. What's more appropriate for sinners saved by grace to do? You tell me. Ask yourself. I'm going to ask myself. What's more appropriate for us to murmur and complain and wallow in our sorrows or to sing and give thanks to the holy God that saved us? What's more appropriate? Should we walk around sad face all the time and frowning? Or should we be happy? Ought to. I wrote down several people's names here that I know throughout the world. And that's just a good example. I mean, they are afflicted. Afflicted. The Lord's sweet. If he chastens those he loves, he loves them a bunch. <laughs> and they are just the most jolly and happy and sweet and easygoing and kind. And they, they, some of them call me and say, I pray for you. And that's it. I get, I get a phone call about well, a couple times a week. And so I had nothing really to say. I just wanted to say hi. And that was it. Oh, that's sweet. That's tender, isn't it? When do we give thanks? We give thanks, don't we? Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his. And give thanks. When do we do that? Truly. Not, well, thank you for this food and bless it to my body and something you learned in Sunday school. Ugh. When you give thanks to a holy God, when you know he's holy, when you remember his holiness. Look at verse 4. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance. He said, this do in remembrance of me, didn't he? At the remembrance of his holiness. We've experienced what Christ did for us. We've come out of that pit. He's bought us. We know that. And what a celebration occurs in our hearts when that happens. But beyond that, when we see who it is that did it, we, we, the, like in sales, the features and the benefits, the features and the benefits. We receive the benefits. Who's the one that did it? That's the holy God. He's the one that's accomplished this. He's the one that purposed it. He's the one that's going to keep, keep it to, for eternity. Well, what worries do I have? Well, I'm back to singing now. <laughs> Pretty quick, huh? If I had a benefactor, that'd be wonderful. Yes, sir. If I had a benefactor, somebody that just gave me everything, unbeknownst to me, and my bank account was never emptied, it was always filled up to the brim every day, and everything was provided for me, and groceries on my doorstep every morning. If I had a benefactor, I was the beneficiary. If I had a benefactor, I would want to know them and give thanks to them, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you want to thank the one that's provided all things for you? Our Lord, the Holy One of Israel, He sent his son, that holy one, that holy thing, and he shed his blood to give us a new heart, to give us life, to be favorable to us. And that new heart desires to thank him and to praise him and to worship him and to be with those that worship him and praise him and thank him. I like family. I like you all. That's what I told them folks out in Australia. I said, uh, I told them about you and things that's going on here. I said, I love them. I said, that's my family. The Lord's knit us together. I said, we labor together. 
and I'm thankful for you because they worship, they have the same God I do. And I love those folks down in Australia. They have the same God we do, don't they? They desire to be together. Verse 5 says, For his anger endureth but a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. This is a messianic psalm, as they all are, aren't they? There was anger for a moment. There was anger for a moment. Peter told us, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. There must be justice. There must be anger for a moment, isn't there? Most people don't don't preach on that. You don't see it on bumper stickers. <laughs> you don't you don't hear it on airways because it don't sell good. Can't make a lot of money off of it. It's not profitable with their pocketbooks. But the Lord said, "The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest the workers of iniquity." Well, God loves everybody, and He's trying to save you. No, He doesn't. He hates the workers of iniquity. He judges the righteous. God's angry with the wicked every day. If I could convince men and women walking up down this street to get off their high horses and all their uh, uh, platforms that they're standing on and, and the same junk that comes out of their mouth every day, and this is well, my truth, and here's what's going on. Oh, what about this? You've offended a holy God. The wages of sin is death. That's what we earned, isn't it? He said, well, maybe, maybe the Father, that's Old Testament, but then Jesus came, and he's sweet and loved everybody. The Father spoke of the Son in Psalm 45. He said, thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. You love everything that's pure, good, and holy, and true, and you hate everything that ain't. And he said, therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Why is Christ exalted above everything? Because he loves righteousness and he hates wickedness. God hates the wicked. He's angry with them. Hmm. And he's a holy God. Our Lord said on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And the words, my roaring. Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. The Father turned from the Son, because he was made me. The reason people have problems with that is because they don't think they're sin. That's the problem. And then our Lord said in Psalm 22, verse 3, but thou art holy. He answered the question. Why did he ask that? Didn't he know? Of course he knew. We had to know. <laughs> he said, Father, I know you hear me always, but I'm going to say it out loud so these can hear you. Well, he said to his Father out loud so we could hear him. Why did you forsake me? Because you're holy. Because that transaction took place. Explain it. I can't. It's so. He did it. That's done, isn't it? This is for David, and this is for you and I, too, there in verse 5. For his anger endureth but a moment, in his favor is life. We see the anger of the Lord the first time we realize we're sin. When we realize what we are and who it is, his holiness that we have offended, uh-oh, <laughs> you got problems. <laughs> you got some problems. What's that going to lead to? There's one outlet. Cry to the Son. Flee to him for mercy, isn't it? begging for salvation. Lord's justice against sin is not something to be mocked. I know what I've earned, the wages that I've earned, what I've deserved. And then I see that Christ, he bore it. He came to lay down his life for the sheep. And then there's life, isn't there? A new life does that. It says, for his anger endureth but a moment in his favor, in his grace. 
is life. Favor means good pleasure, delight, will. From the root word to satisfy a debt. Because of his good pleasure. Because of his good will. Because of his favor towards the people and undeserving people. His grace and his mercy. We have life. For by grace, by favor, are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. The gift of God. That's something. Malachi said that. Who's a God like unto thee? Who's a God like this? Go find all them other gods that everybody and their brothers talking about, making little whittling out pieces of wood and making funny outfits and wearing weird underwear and talking about green people coming out of spaceships and all kinds of nonsense and foolishness. Who's a God like unto thee? <laughs> Ain't none of them like him. He pardons iniquity and passes over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever. Because he delights in showing mercy. He delights in showing mercy. James said, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. By his own will he begat us. Made us his first fruits. Made us just like his son. Same offspring. Verse 5 says, For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor life. Oh, he's given us life because of his son. Weeping may endure for a night. You may cry in the night, but joy comes in the morning. There's weeping and darkness, isn't there? The sun, sun won't smite you by day, nor the moon by night. I know what a sunburn is. You know what that is? What's a moon burn? That's when you're up all night long weeping. And you see that moon, and boy, you wish it'd go away because it hurts. Because you're in the night season. But joy cometh in the morning. You know, it was always at night when the Lord came to a dreams. You don't dream at high noon. You don't dream while you're at work. You might daydream. <laughs> When's the Lord come and speak to his people in the old? In dreams at night. They were, then they rise up early. He comes to them at night. In darkness. What's that picture of? You're in darkness if the Lord ain't come to you. You, you better be in the darkness to be brought into his light. And if he hasn't saved you out of darkness, you're still in it. If we don't start seeing that those, it's not that the churches are wrong and this one's wrong and that one's wrong and this one's wrong, that we start seeing I'm wrong. We're in trouble. You're just fruit inspectors and there ain't no fruit there. We got to see that was us. He saves us out of darkness. And then <laughs> joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. That says cometh, doesn't it? That's present tense. His mercies are new every day. We wake up and need to see our Savior every day. And he's that morning star, isn't he? Revelation 2.28 says, I will give him the morning star. Oh, is that a sign or wonder? Oh, do we need to get an astrological calendar out? No. Fools do that. It's foolish. Somebody tunes in this. Stop it. Quit looking for those things. Quit looking for signs and wonders. He said, I'll give the morning star. Then in Revelation 22, he tells us, he said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify unto thee these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He said, I'm the star. What comes up in the morning? A big star. We see the sun, S-U-N. Well, if we could seek him early in our day, wake up and see the S-O-N. Then we might sing his praises. We might whistle a tune. That's good, isn't it? The Lord said, if you're sad, pray. And if you're happy, sing. <laughs> sing hymns. Sing one. Whistle. 
That's good. Verse 6 says, And in my prosperity I said, I shall never be moved. There ain't nothing to can move us. But what's there to move to? You going to go to a higher doctrine? You going to eat a little higher on the cow on that one? What in the world's people thinking? I can't ever be moved from that. I can't ever be moved from simplicity. That's Christ. Can I? If you could be moved, where would you go? Our Lord said, y'all leaving too? That's a successful ministry. Run off 5,000 people in one day. And then look to the only 12 set left. Said, you going to go too? If you're going to go, go. I don't care. Pack your bags. I ain't chasing nobody in the parking lot. What that representative say of the group? Lord, to whom shall we go? I can't be moved. I'm, as we looked before, uh, you're my master. <laughs> you're my husband. You're my father. <laughs> it, however way you can cut it. That's what the scripture may ask me one time. It says, it says we're adopted. And it says we're born, and it says we're bought. Well, which is it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Any way you can slice it. We're plumb his. And we shall never be moved. All right. Thank you, Brother Mike.